Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And today we're doing a lightning round. So... <sighs> <laughs> with sound effects. Uh, so this is just a podcast where we try to answer as many questions as we can, uh, as many listener questions as we can in one podcast. Uh, yep. We'll be doing two episodes of this. Um, so thank you, first of all, to uh, those who sent questions, yep. um, many of which are, are really interesting. Um, yep. And so we're going to uh, we're going to do our best to address them. So I'm going to start. Okay. With the first one okay. uh, that uh, that struck me, uh, Katie, like and lightning. this is yeah, it struck you like, like lightning. lightning. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, so Katie, uh, our listeners may not know this, was once my student, mm-hmm. not so very long ago, no. well, what? six seven years ago. Well, I not mean, I long? just graduated yeah. in oh, December, so true. a year ago. So yeah. Well, yes, but I right, mean, but in yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yes, right. Uh, in in early days, yes. uh, that was longer ago. Yes. Um, and so one of the things we talked about was the book of Ruth. We did. In the class about. that okay. uh, in scripture and its witnesses. Yes. So here's the question. Okay. Does the book of Ruth occur during the United Monarchy? No. A. Yes. <laughs> you get an A. You get no, an A. Yes. You so passed. The, the book, I, and the reason I remember this actually is yeah. because we talked about how the book of Judges is like the most depressing, saddest, most miserable book in the entire Bible, possibly. <laughs> yes. And well, I mean, Lamentations is up yeah. Too, there's but... a lot of lamenting in Lamentations. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. But, but yeah, Judges is not. Judges isn't the most pleasant book, and it's sort of like, um, you know, you know, everyone's bad and they do their own thing or whatever. And then we talked about how the book of Ruth is in contrast, kind of in contrast to the book of Judges, because here is this kind of lovely story of faith and faithfulness Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, familial love Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, these sorts of things coming out of what is otherwise a relatively, you know, dismal time. And so there's sort of, it's sort of a conversation against the book of judges in some ways that's what i remember that just class. warms my heart that you remember that <laughs> yes all so, these years later yes yeah, so it takes place during the time of the judges yeah and so just to put it in just a little more context so yeah. the time of the judges is the time between so you get the wilderness wanderings and then the entry into the land described mm-hmm. in the book of joshua and then the book of judges is that time when they're in the land yeah. but before there are kings right and yes, you're exactly right. It's a time of uh, uh, the book of Judges ends by saying uh, there was no king in Israel. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. And then, as you said, Ruth starts the very next verse in Ruth in the days when the judges ruled. So in the time of the judges, uh, the book of Ruth ends, though, uh, by noting that Ruth's son Obed uh, is the grandfather of King David, so it's not long. It's kind of Ruth is really the transition point between yeah. the time of the judges and the time of the kings. Yeah. And uh, the United Monarchy just means uh, both the Northern and Southern Kingdom, all twelve tribes together right. under right. Uh, first under Saul, then under David, and then under Solomon. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Good. good cool. One. Good one. All right. So second question here. All right. Uh, who wrote First and Second Kings? 
Uh, we don't know. Oh, all right. So third question. <laughs> That's awesome. uh, like many biblical books, uh, we, we, the authorship is anonymous. Not all biblical books. We have obviously the books of Jeremiah and Isaiah and John. You know, we have, we do know some authors, Amos, uh, yeah. particularly the prophets, but uh, many, uh, many books are anonymous. Now, Jewish tradition says that um, the prophet Jeremiah wrote Oh, really? The books of First and Second Kings. But that's, it may be that Jeremiah or his scribe Baruch wrote mm -hmm. some of it, but um, First and Second Kings, just like First and Second Samuel, seems to be a narrative that draws from many different sources. So, for instance, mm -hmm. there are some mentions in First and Second Kings of uh, you know, it'll say such such and such king reigned in Jerusalem for so many years, mm -hmm. and yep. et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then he died and was laid to rest and his son, you know, became king in his place. And as for the rest of his deeds, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah okay. or the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? And okay. so there seems there were probably some royal annals royal records, records yeah. that were kept during the reigns of the kings uh -huh. and so it's likely that first and second kings uh, drew from those kind of okay. historical accounts um scholars would say that uh, uh first and second kings is part of what scholars call the deuteronomistic history mm -hmm. that's which a big word it is deuteronomistic deuteronomistic, deuteronomistic supercalifragilistic deuteronomistic <laughs> Which is obvious. <laughs> I love that kid. Uh, Deuteronomistic obviously sounds like the word Deuteronomy. Yes, yes, which yes. Is the name of the book right? of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. <laughs> which means the yeah. second law. Oh, I didn't know that. It's like the the record of the second giving of the law, and oh, yeah. um, and so scholars call these books. So the books Joshua, Judges, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, those mm -hmm. six books they call those the Deuteronomistic history because they're they're a history of you know, Israel from the time of, you know, entry into the land to the time of exile mm. um, and covering all the, you know, reigns of all the kings of Israel and Judah. Um, but so it's a history, but it seems to be heavily influenced by the theology of the book of Deuteronomy. Oh, I see. Okay. So there's themes of covenant, there's yeah. themes of centralized worship and sin punishment and redemption mm -hmm. and prophets and so, um, so that's why it's called the Deuteronomistic history. So the, the long answer, or the, uh, to cut to the chase, we don't really know who wrote First and Second Kings, but it seems to be the work of uh, different hands, different authors and editors drawing from both oral stories and written sources, mm -hmm. like the ones I mentioned, uh, but shaped into its final form, into the, you know, edited into the form we have it. Um, by people in, influenced, uh, by theologians influenced by the book of Deuteronomy. Okay. And so they're, they're, they are telling history, but they're telling it in from a theological viewpoint. Like right. How is God at work in this history? It's not right. a, uh, it doesn't claim to be objective. It does right. a, It's right. not a modern kind of history. Right. They don't talk about political influences or social right. influences. They talk about what is God up to yeah. in this history. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Okay. Um, Let's uh, go to uh, the next question. So this is this was rather a long question um, when it was submitted, and I'm going to just uh, summarize it. So uh, and it it's, has to do with the book of Ephesians. Okay. 
and so the 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 listener uh, quotes Ephesians three seventeen, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, Paul or the author of Ephesians says uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, and the uh, the listener says, my question is why Paul prays for the Christians in Ephesus who are already in Christ, because mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this listener notes that earlier uh, verses talk about them already being in Christ. Yes. Uh, my question is, why does Paul pray for the Christians in Ephesus who are already in Christ and have been marked with the Holy Spirit that Christ may dwell in their hearts? Don't they have Christ in their hearts while they have faith in Christ and have been given the Holy Spirit? Uh, and they say, I'm looking forward to reading your answers. So what would you say? Um, so I think I would say that, yes, we are in Christ. Those of us who believe in Christ and have been baptized into Christ, we have Christ. Uh, we are in union with Christ and we've been sealed with the cross, never to be unsealed <laughs> um, or what have you. And also... It doesn't strike me as being a strange thing to continue to pray, to be kept in Christ, to continue to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. Um, that may be one of the ways that we, you know, one of the practices that we have to remind us of being belonging to Christ and being in union with Christ is our own prayers and the prayers of others um, you know, keeping us uh, in the faith, keeping us aware of um, our identity in Christ. And and so it, it didn't strike me uh, as problematic hmm. that you might pray that while at the same time acknowledging that you're already, hmm. you know, in that state of being in union with Christ. Yeah, I think that's a good way of, of thinking about it. So I, I'm trying to think of um, analogies today, hmm. right? We might pray for our children. Sure that they be in Christ mm-hmm. or, or that they be kept safe. Yep. Um, but we don't do, prayer isn't a, a once and done kind of thing. Right. right? We, we continue to pray for yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't cease praying. Right. Uh, or we're told not to cease praying. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not like you, it's not like you like pray for the thing and then you get the thing and then you're like, okay, next. Right. It's sort of like a, unless it's a pony. Yeah. If it's a pony and then you're like, thank you Lord for the pony. But (laughs) aside from ponies, it feels like, it feels like we can continually pray for the blessings that we hope to receive for the blessings we have already received for the blessings we may not receive. And it's, it's okay. And good and you know commendable even to pray and to remain in prayer for those things for yeah. ourselves and others for ourselves and others yeah 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 i i did pray for a pony when i was little did you did you get it I never got one. Oh, well which is probably good because we never lived out in the country so yeah it would probably be hard to keep a pony. Yeah, yeah you wouldn't have space for it it would yeah. get kind of sad yeah. so yeah. well uh, you know yeah. next question so how many Marys are there anyway? Because <laughs> it seems like every time you turn the page in the New Testament, there's another Mary. And you're like, is this the same Mary as before? Is this a different Mary? Yeah. Mary's all over the place. So yeah. how many are there? Really? Well, I, I did a little research on this because okay. I, I, I couldn't answer this question off the top of my head. I knew of at least 
three, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't realize uh, that there are actually six or seven Whoa. women in the New Testament named Mary. Okay. So two of those outside the gospel. So I was just okay. thinking of those in, in the, the gospel. gospel. So in that case, it would be uh, four or five. So okay. the obvious first one is Mary, Mary the mother, mother of Jesus. Yes. Right? Yes. So um, she is obviously in all four gospels mm-hmm. and plays a large role yes. in the gospels. Uh, I'll, I'll just note that Mary is actually um, a form of the Hebrew name Miriam. Yeah. Yeah. Your so daughter my daughter. So yeah. So bonus Mary in the Old Testament. Is, that's right. Is Miriam. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Uh, my, I have a, my oldest sister. My dear sister is named Miriam as well. It's a beautiful yeah. name. It is. But like in it. the New Testament, that becomes uh, Mary, and it seems to have been a very popular name. Hmm. Yeah. In uh, amongst Jewish people in the first century. So Mary, the mother of Jesus. Second one, probably most people would think of. Mary Magdalene. Yes. 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 So Mary Magdalene is mentioned in all four Gospels. In fact, plays a, a, a pretty major role in all four Gospels in this sense that she is a witness. Right. First of all, she's a follower of Jesus. Yeah. But she's also a witness at the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. Yes. Right. So probably most famously in the Gospel of John, where Mary weeps at the tomb mm-hmm. uh, and Jesus appears to her and she doesn't recognize him yes. at first. And then he speaks her name. Yeah. Mary. Mary. And she recognizes him. And she really, in all four Gospels, is one of the first evangelists, or really the first evangelist of the resurrection, yeah. right? The Lord, uh, the, the Lord is risen. Uh, the Lord has appeared to me. The, the, ever, the apostle to the apostles. The apostle to the apostles, yes. I have seen the Lord, she says, uh, to, the, to the male apostles. So, um, and she follows and provides for Jesus in Luke 8. You know, even before that, she... Uh, it talks about she's listed among other women from Galilee who follow Jesus and provide for him and the disciples uh, apparently out of their means out of their um, wealth yeah so yeah now uh, it's worth saying that Mary has gotten a bad rap yeah Uh, traditionally she's associated with the uh, the sinful woman uh, of Luke 7 um, washes who washes Jesus feet with her hair Um, but that it's it's not likely that she is that woman because that woman is introduced in Luke seven and then Mary Magdalene is introduced in Luke eight as if we haven't seen her before, you know? So, um, so yeah, she, uh, was she in love with Jesus? Well, that Jesus Christ superstar would would say. (laughs) Also, I think the Da Vinci code, right? They got married. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, There's a later Gnostic tradition about that, right? Yeah. That's, that's not biblical. That's not in. That the, is not biblical. Not that is not biblical. And even the Gnostic gospel, the the Gnostic literature. Gnostic those of you, gospels, you yes, yeah, in air quotes, yeah. Um, the Gnostic literature. She plays a really large part in in those, like uh, the Gospel of Thomas. Um, yeah. But uh, but even in those, it's only in a minority of those that she's you know, in love with Jesus, right? Uh, or, or romantically, romantically. Involved. Yeah. She's, she's more of a kind of a intellectual, really a, sure. a person who debates huh. with the oh, other cool. disciples. Yeah. 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 Should we define, define Gnostic? Yeah, we can maybe, cause it's sorry. Since I went down that rabbit hole, we should probably, yeah, yeah. just say that a little bit. Yeah. So Gnostic, uh, the Gnostic movement is a movement uh, in the early church and really uh, outside the church as well that it, 
I'm going to oversimplify it, but basically Gnosticism says there's a kind of secret gnosis or knowledge uh, that uh, is is available to only a select few, and it, uh, it disparages the material and the bodily right. and lifts up the spiritual. It says only the spirit really is worthy of value and the material is, uh, you know, the material world and human bodies is yeah. dirty and the, and the result to of To be it. transcended. Yes, to be transcended. So it's, uh, it was, it was, heresy. it is a heresy. Yeah. 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 Because Christianity, obviously. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Exactly. Because bodies are important. Bodies right? are God important. creates the world and calls it good. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and God becomes a body. God yeah. becomes flesh. Right. So, yeah. So Gnosticism was, um, was proclaimed yeah. a heresy in the early church, but there are this there are the, these works that we have uh, that were influenced by Gnosticism, and in those Mary Magdalene yeah. plays yeah. a part. Yeah, but not yeah. in the Bible. It's... And because there is nothing new under the sun, I think that you can find lots of strains of Gnosticism all over the place. Yes, in this world, but we digress. Yes, sorry. Yes, back to Mary. So that so Mary, Mary so the mother Mary of Magdalene. Jesus, Mary Magdalene, third one, Mary of Bethany. Okay. Yep. So she's a sister of Martha, oh, okay. sister of Lazarus. Yep. Um, she appears in Luke and John. So she appears uh, in Luke. Um, that story that I'm sure is familiar to many of us. Uh, Mary and Martha. Right. Martha is preparing Martha, the meal. Bad one. Mary's the good one. Well, Martha's the industrious she one is, who's yeah, preparing the meal, and she gets irritated at her sister Mary, right. who's sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to Jesus teach right. and. Uh, and Jesus, you know, commends Mary for doing that. Yeah. So Mary as a as a disciple, Mary Bethany. Bethany is a village outside of just outside of Jerusalem. Uh, but then in John, uh, an even bigger role, uh, I would say, for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in the story in John eleven of the raising of Lazarus yes. yeah. from the dead, where both Mary and Martha come to Jesus and say, you know, Lord, if you had been here, my brother yeah. would not have died. Yeah. And Jesus gives them that great promise: I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. Uh, he who believes in me, um, though he die, yet will live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he who believes in me will never die. And then uh, in John twelve, in the chapter afterwards, Mary of Bethany anoints Jesus with the costly ointment and wipes oh, his feet yeah. with her hair. Yeah. So, uh, huh. so you you can see the the interesting that the tradition that there's like the, yeah. the one Mary in Luke and then or not the the the, the one whose name we don't know in right. Luke who anoints. Right, him with his hair, and then there's Mary of Bethany in so John. Maybe, maybe that's how people got exactly that one mixed up with Mary Magdalene. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's some confusion. There's between so Mary. many Marys. There are so many Marys. Right. There's a lot of Marys. So Mary, mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, um, and then the last th uh, four are much more minor. So there's a there's a woman named Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, who is listed along with other Galilean women who followed Jesus. Um, uh, in Matthew, she uh, is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, in Matthew, she's just called the other Mary. <laughs> but you know what? It's cool that she got a mention at all. Because yeah. how many people even get a mention? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So uh, another woman who follows Jesus uh, from uh, from Galilee, um, Mary, the other Mary, and then number five, Mary, the wife of Clopas. Oh, of course, Clopas. Yes. The well-known, the well-known Clopas person. who doesn't appear anywhere else. Who so is named Clopas only mentioned in John nineteen. Okay. So Mary, the wife of Clopas, is one of the women at the cross who oh, witnesses yeah. Jesus' crucifixion, 
And the question about whether it's six or seven Marys is uh -huh. that Mary, the wife of Clopas, might also be Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Uh, so it might be the same Mary. The same Mary, but who knows? We don't know. So many Marys. We can't do DNA testing on Marys, on these Marys. Um, and then the five, so either four or five in the Gospels, Marys. Uh, the last two, there's Mary, uh, the mother of John Mark in Acts 12. Uh -huh who uh, hosts a house church in Jerusalem. Oh, cool. So that when Paul gets out of prison... Um, so Mary hosts the house church or the... Mary hosts the house church. Okay. She, it's her, it's her it's house. It's her house. It's her house in which people are gathered to yeah. worship. Good job. In Mary. Acts 12. Yep. Um, uh, and I believe it's Peter who gets out of jail and then comes and finds... Is that when... And then, yeah. and then like, and then knocks on the door yep. and then the lady... Yep. And then the one lady... I think it's that Rhoda answers yeah, yeah, yeah. and says, uh, like, you're a ghost and slams yeah. the door in his face. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's me. I'm and not, he keeps knocking. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> here. <laughs> That's a fun story. It I is like fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so, so that was Mary's house. Mary, okay. the mother of John Mark. John and Mary. finally, in Romans chapter 16, there is a Roman Christian woman named Mary. Who is greeted okay. by Paul and a list of other names? Okay, so who knows? So there you go. So many Marys, either six or seven, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, with Miriam the bonus Mary Miriam, from the Old Testament. That's right. Amazing. Miriam, the sister of Moses. Yes. Well, and a prophetess in her own right. Yes, and a prophetess in her own right. Yes, yes indeed. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of our. First uh, lightning round, we'll be doing another one. Uh, but uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to those of us who sent those questions, those of you who sent those questions to us. And we uh, invite uh, you and others to continue submitting questions. We can't promise that we will uh, be able to answer all of them, but we'll do as much as we can. Um, and you can, you can do that by going to enterthebible.org and uh, clicking on the box that says... It's a, it's a tab. It's a, oh, it's it's a menu at the top. Uh -uh. It says, got questions? There we go. All right. Milk, don't sue us. <laughs> so thank you to you for sending the questions. Thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. Get high-quality courses, commentaries, resources, videos, and reflections at enterthebible.org. Thanks for joining us.